0: to Charteris, to Falatao, tackled by Zarzewski on the 22. This is First! Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Well, Wayne Pivak isn't the only man with selection dilemmas and availability crises. We face one of our own on the Attacking Scrum. We're without a number of first team regulars, so for the second time this season, I'm going to be presenting this one on my own. But don't worry, there is loads of stuff for us to talk about. We'll be starting by having a look at a, a roundup of the European action from this weekend in relation to the Welsh regions. And unfortunately, You'll have seen by now that all four of them lost, which is uh, the most depressing kind of weekend for uh, for Welsh rugby fans because there is there's very little to cheer about. Still are a few permutations which mean that, that some of the sides could potentially go through in the in the challenge cup. Sadly, not in the Champions Cup. The Osprey's hopes were, were dead and buried a long time ago. But we will be having a look back at that and some of the other talking points from Europe. Uh, in particular, kind of Rhys Carey's red card, which seemed to cause a bit of a furore on social media. In the second half of the show, we're going to be having a look at who may or may not make the uh, the Welsh squad for the Six Nations. And as always, we'll be putting, and well, I say we, I'll be putting across my opinion for who should be in that side or who I'd like to see in that squad for the Six Nations, which uh, is always a good bit of fun. But we will start with Europe in just one sec. Before we do that, of course, a big thanks for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades, Scott in action again for the Ospreys this weekend, and uh, yeah, been a great supporter of this show for the last couple of seasons. So, if you want to repay Scott's faith in this show and also get your hands on some fantastic quality coffee, then make sure you head over to SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk in order to do that. And see, as we're talking about the Ospreys, we may as well start there. I mean, this this season has just been an absolute nightmare. Uh, for the uh, for the Swansea region, that continued again this weekend. For what it's worth, I thought they played better. You know, they they lost to they lost to Saracens at home, but I think they did give a better account of themselves. Alongside that, though, I think you have got to put a little bit of context that they were playing against 14 men for over 70 minutes. They were playing against 13 men for uh, for another 10 minutes of that of that time and. It really kind of the, the difference between these two sides was was evident, and um, they're two sides who are really you know have had have had very difficult seasons for for various re- reasons. The Ospreys have been miserable on the pitch, and there's also been a lot of uh, a lot of quarrelling off the pitch as well. And obviously, Saracens have been going through their uh, well again. You know, it, it is a crisis really, having been docked all those points. And uh, and find uh, over five million pounds for breaching the salary cap. You know you won't need me to fill you in on that. But the th- the one thing that that really illustrated the the difference between the two sides, I just thought it's the it's the coaching. Saracens came with yes a strong side. Um, it by no means their first their first fifteen, but they came with a side that you know is strong, even though it's you know it's probably their second string outfit and. You know you can pick holes in that because we know that you know that this squad has been assembled against the rules you know that's the that's the that's the nature of it but what they have done is they've bought through an incredibly talented crop of young players who are coached in a really really professional manner and have de- you know they've developed into into really quality players and they play like a side that, that's been well well coached. And you could see it, you know, even though it would be very easy for Saracens to have to have kind of given up a couple of weeks ago after had it, having a bit of a stuttering start to the Champions Cup and also the off-field distractions. But you could tell they they really wanted to they really wanted to win that game. And even though they went down to 14 men, they never felt like they were out of it. And sadly that's that's kind of been the difference between between them and the Ospreys. I know it's very, very easy to point at the Uh, The difference in, uh, the difference in salaries between, you know, uh, even other sides in the Pro Fourteen and the Welsh regions. Yet alone Saracens, who are a side who've, you know, who've, uh, who've gone well in excess of the salary cap. But I I think that that it was really on display. Just the difference in coaching between the two sides. Unfortunately, the Ospreys, while they had improved on recent weeks, still looked rather rudderless and. That's in no small doubt, uh, in no small part, down to the fact that there is still no no real solid coaching um, coaching platform for them, and that's you know that is that is item one on things that the Ospreys have to sort out. And you may well have seen Alan wynne Jones's kind of explosive press conference this week, and it's really unheard of for a, a captain. Uh, so a former captain of the Ospreys, obviously captain of them for a number of years, Wales captain, and you know one of the most high-profile players in the world to come out and and point the finger at um, at the Ospreys board. You know, it's I, I was racking my brains trying to think of other examples of this happening, and just couldn't couldn't really bring any to mind. And I think again that just that sums up exactly what a mess it is off the field at the Ospreys, and these are things that are going to have to get sorted out. That it's very hard to to kind of sit there and, and provide answers for what for what should be happening on the board. I know a lot of the fans have, have become very frustrated with with the way that the club's being run, and. I think you have to say that the large amount of the the responsibility has to lie at the door of of the senior figures on the board because ultimately they're the ones who appoint the coach. they appointed Alan Clark eighteen months ago, and it didn't work out and there's you know there' will still be more more to be unveiled in that story, I'm sure, but that ultimately did not work out and Prior to that, they were the ones who who got rid of Tandy. They're now going to be the ones who are tasked with finding a suitable replacement. Um, but running alongside that, as Alan wynne Jones alluded to, they are the ones who've been in charge of recruitment, and unfortunately, the the recruitment policy has not has not been successful for them. They've had bad luck in terms of losing Gareth Anscombe to a long term injury, who was their kind of big marquee signing. But they look they they have looked so so weak at, at fly half this season, and have really kind of lacked that control and. You see a player like like Sam Davis move over to the Dragons. Obviously, they've had a horrible result themselves this weekend, but generally have have been on um, on an upward curve. Certainly, vastly improved over the last few seasons, and that has been down to Sam Davis in a in a, in a to a, to a certain degree because he's added that that level of experience and control at ten, and and the Ospreys have just not had that. So you know that's one example of of how the recruitment has just gone really really badly wrong for them um so yeah yeah really disappointing result and it's hard to point fingers at the players because I, th- I think they really they really did want to win that and there was no no shortage of no shortage of effort but even when they you know even when they were down to, to 13 men you, you just felt like you couldn't write Sarry's off, and and so it proved. So another really disappointing result for the Ospreys. And it's just the, the fact that they're getting beaten at home so regularly when the Liberty used to be such a fortress for them. You know, there's there's a, a lot of questions. There's way more questions than there are answers at the moment for the Ospreys. The other big talking point from that game, as I said in the intro, Rhys Carey being sent off very early on. And again, this seems to have split people on social media. And it seems like a lot of... ex pros have kind of have wielded out the the game's gone soft stuff again if I'm being completely honest I, I didn't spot it at the time it just looked like a big hit but when you look at it again on the replay I don't think really you can have too many complaints about it it is shoulder contact to the head there's not really any mitigating circumstances and the thing is is while we're while world rugby are, are trying to protect players by making but by making it much more, you know, much more punishable offence for anything dangerous towards the head, you just want to see consistency, and I think we're starting to see that a lot more. And we saw it kind of in the in the World Cup, and that was a big high profile stage in order to see, um, in order to kind of demonstrate what exactly how the new or the the latest incarnation of this rule is going to play out. And I think that we've seen that again in in Reese carries. Sending off, you know. I, I just think it's one of those. If you end up, if you end up making contact with a shoulder to the head, I think you're going to expect, you're going to expect to receive a red card. I don't think there was any malice in that from from Reece Carey, but the minute you see it again on the replay, it's it's very hard to um, to argue with that decision. And I think the the thing is, you know, it's, it, you've now got a position where players have just got to go lower. And it's a hard thing to do because you've been coached for so many years to want to put in that power hit and even though like I say there's no intent to go in and, and make content anywhere near the head, I think that's just an adjustment that is going to have to happen over the the course of the you know the the next few months and seasons but uh, yeah it's from Reese Carey's point of view obviously as a, a high profile uh Welsh into, you know young Talented Welsh international, it's going to be really interesting to see what the um, what the punishment for that is, and I wonder whether it might have a, an impact on on selection for him. Obviously, he went to the World Cup. He actually started the game very well, made a, a really good break. So, although he's not had too many appearances for for Sarries, I think that might only have been his second or third. It's a uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether Wayne Pivac. Decides to uh, to go for him in in the wake of uh, you know what what will be a ban coming his way as well, and uh, yeah, you can also find out whether uh, whether I'm going to be picking him in our attacking scrum squad for the Six Nations as well. So that will be coming up in the second half. So yeah, again, more of the same for the Ospreys. Another disappointing result, Um, and uh, yeah, a bit of a nervous wait for Rhys Carey on the scarlets and uh yeah they were just absolutely blown away by toulon it's one of the most powerful packs i think i've uh, i've ever seen and that probably should come as uh, should come as no surprise you know when you've got the likes of uh, you got the likes of Etzebet in that pack and you know that that's one of the biggest second rows second rows i've ever seen it was um hugely powerful performance from toulon and it, yeah they really just had to, had too much of the scarlets which puts a massive dent in in their hopes for uh, for qualifying, not impossible. You know they'll have to they you know, have to go through in, in one of the runners up spots. But um, yeah, that is you know that they now have to get a result against uh, against London Irish and hope that uh, some of the other results go their way. Uh, Dan and I will be watching that game at uh, at the skis. so we're going to be heading down there and taking the attacking scrum on the road to watch the uh, to watch uh, Scarlet London Irish game. So yeah, we'll be recording next week's pod uh, from Dan there. Uh, yeah, if you, you know, obviously if you've got any questions or any opinions on how any of the sides are playing, get them into us at attacking scrum. We always love to hear from uh, from you and see what the uh, see what the opinions are from you guys as fans. So yeah, make sure you do that. Uh, but yeah, to Go back to this week's result. Really, dis- really disappointing for um, from Scarlets, so and they made a really positive start. You know, Gareth Davis crossing the try line in the very early minutes. But uh, yeah, like I say, I think really it came down to power. I thought though the Toulon driving lineout was uh, was absolutely exceptional. Some of the hits were massive. And you know they've got so many powerful ball carriers in the uh, in the backs as well. You know you're able to unleash a player like Savia at thirteen. Um, you know it's been it's been a week for wingers or people we're used to seeing on the wing playing at thirteen or at least being named in teams at thirteen. With um, with uh, George North obviously doing that role for uh, for the Ospreys and Josh Adams initially named at thirteen for the Blues before ending up playing on the wing. But uh, yeah, you know Sarvea, and uh, and the, and the rest of those backs put in a, a massive uh, a massive shift behind a pack that was going forward the entire time, and yeah, it really was was kind of far too easy for Toulon. I don't think Scarletts were helped by you know some some uncharacteristic errors. You know Lee Halfpenny had probably his poorest game for uh, for a very long time. Really difficult conditions, very very wet, uh, Indian athlete, but again those those kind of mistakes where he you know he coughed up the ball. Um, over the try line to concede one, and um, and on another occasion carried the ball over over the try line, which ended up being a, a scrum five to two line and they went over and scored. You know they're not the kind of things we're used to seeing from uh, from Lee Halfpenny, and it's you know his game management is normally so good that um, they're, they're kind of very uncharacteristic errors. But uh, yeah, I'd expect him to be able to to iron those out, and we're very much expecting to be part of of Wayne Pivak's plans uh, going forward. But yeah. Scarlets now face a very, you know, a, a nervous wait. Really, all they can do is uh, is uh, head to Reading and and look to get the uh, get the win against London Irish, get that bonus point, and, and hope the other, you know, some of those other results go their way. But it's yeah, definitely not the the result they would have wanted. I think the probably the the crueler thing for them was that defeat to Toulon away uh, at the start of the competition, and you know, having played so well with fourteen men. For a large chunk of that game to lose it right at the death, you know, with, with, uh, I think, nearly 10 minutes of injury time. That's probably the one that was been the the cruel, um, the really cruel blow. But, you know, they, they don't get, um, they don't get more by many sides at home. But that was a, a pretty comprehensive win for too long there. Dragons, while we're talking about comprehensive wins, uh, were absolutely battered by, um, Go who they played? Not Bayon. no Cast. So yeah, so dragons were battered by Cast, and yeah, that again, that that is a dent. But actually, the scarlets losing is a is a is a positive for the dragons. So they will go into the final round knowing that they you know they'll need to win and, and get. Um, I think they need a bonus point win against NSA at home, and that will probably be enough uh, to get them through to the knockout round. So while it's a disappointing result for them, I actually have to say I haven't seen this game and. I won't go into, I won't, I promise, promise not to go into another rant about the coverage of the Challenge Cup, which yet again, you know, week in, week out is terrible. But I haven't seen that game, but obviously the scoreline speaks for itself. <clears throat> and having spoken to a couple of people who uh, who have seen the game, you know, it's uh, again just a, a question of being uh, absolutely, you know, absolutely kind of outplayed. Uh, but that said, they have got, you know, they, they should have um, had have their destiny in their own hands. NSA haven't picked up any points at all during this competition, so you'd expect the Dragons to be able to to go out and, and get that win um, at Rodney Parade on Friday. It'd be interesting to see what Dean Ryan does in terms of team selection, though, because I think there's, there's there's a lot of injuries running through that side, and by all accounts, you know, again, a few um, a few knocks and bumps and bruises coming out of the coming out of the cast game. So it'd be interesting to see if he does look to do a bit of rotation and um, and and just kind of. Keep some of those bodies fresh because it may seem unlikely, but in the Pro Fourteen, there is an outside chance if they go on a good run that they could, you know, they could make the playoffs, which would be an incredible result for them. Um, personally, I, I don't know. I, I think you just got to go out and get that win against uh, get that win against uh, NSA. I think the the kind of the playoff run is is going to be dictated by uh, the availability they have to they have to players um, who get named in the Wales squad because. As we discussed a few pods back, that's going to have a massive impact on the the rest of the Dragon season. But like we said a few times before, you know this. I think this has been a it's been a good Challenge Cup campaign. Uh, some good results in there. I think particularly you know kind of the win at home to Worcester, and that that's something that they'll definitely be pleased with. Obviously the win at home to Cast, and all of that is kind of the narrative of of Dragons becoming harder to beat at Rodney Parade, which is. Which is kind of you know what you what you expected from, I guess from the early incarnation of the Dragons when Mike Ruddock was in charge. There obviously before that you had uh, you know you had Newport were a very hard side to beat at home, but that's that's you know that that's a big building block for them. So whatever happens next week, it's about maintaining that that home record and looking to try and pick up um, you know pick up. Uh, the those all elusive wins uh, wins away from home, which as we know uh, do not come uh, do not come regularly in the league for the Dragons. But all in all, it's it's been a good campaign so far. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to to continue on and and make a quarter final place. Uh, Cardiff Blues. It, it looks very unlikely they're going to be able to exit from their pool. Well, exit in the right way from their pool. Uh, I think mathematically there is still a, a chance for them to to get out of the, uh, of their pool, but. I think they put in a good performance against against Leicester today. Similar to Scarlet's I think the damage was done for Cardiff uh in the, the home game against Leicester, you know, where they, they really had an awful second half, one of the, the poorest performances I've seen from them for a very long time. And uh and that kind of really put pay to their put pay to their hopes. But I thought they gave a decent account of themselves today so that will be uh, so Sunday as as I record this some good you know some good individual performances in there I thought Ray Lilo was excellent in the center and showed you know some sublime skill and he was partnered in the center not by Josh Adams as we as we thought but by by Ben Thomas which is a uh, you know it's an interesting one I think that there was just an announcement there was an announcement before the game that said uh, that said Adams would be playing on the wing Um it's you know it's very difficult to know what degree of leaning on on Cardiff was done by the Wru to try and get Josh Adams to play thirteen so Wales can have a look at him in in that position and yeah we're going to talk about that in the in the second half as well but he ended up playing on the wing and again showed some fantastic glimpses took a knock at one stage which will have been a concern but hopefully it was just that as he did did finish the game um, but yeah uh, you know I, I thought they gave a decent account of themselves against a much stronger Leicester Tigers side than than came to Cardiff. And, uh, yeah, Leicester, with five wins from five, you know, booked their place in the quarterfinals and, and Cardiff police have a very, very outside chance of, of making it through. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll look like a disappointing campaign for Cardiff if they, you know, if they presumably don't get out of the pool. And as I say, I think the damage was done in that... Um, that home game against Leicester, where they just weren't able to to put them to bed, and and really they they should have. So yeah, you know that that side that Leicester brought to Cardiff was a much yeah much changed side, and uh, and one that really kind of resembled a second string. Yet they were able to to leave the Arms Park with uh, with those points intact. So you know disappointing for uh, disappointing for Cardiff Blues. Uh, very disappointing weekend for the Ospreys, as it has been virtually every weekend of the season for them. Disappointing for the scarlets, but they still have an outside chance of getting out of the pool. And dragons, really, they they've just got to get that result next week, and uh, and they should be able to make it out of the pool and into the quarterfinals. Which you know, I I think as a dragons fan myself, and I'm sure a lot of the the dragons faithful would say, you know, to if you'd said at the start of the season you'd be making it to a quarterfinal of the of the challenge cup, that gives you something to to cheer about. And and generally, dragons have gone into every weekend not every weekend but have gone into most games this season um and been and been competitive in the, in the vast majority of them so you know i think as you say it's been a massively improved season for them so far and a, a quarter final place would be um would be really nice and and you know a nice quarter final draw out of that would be uh would yeah give uh, give the dragons faithful something to something to uh to get behind and and cheer Right, second half, we will be having a look at uh, the squad that Wayne Pivac is going to be announcing, who we think will be in there, and uh, yeah, I'll be picking the side that I would like to see, or the, the squad that I would like to see during the Six Nations, and all of that is coming up after this very quick break. This is Nicky Smith. You're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Right, time now to have a look ahead to the Six Nations, which is not that far away. Wayne Pivak will be naming his squad for the tournament on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, we of course will have reaction to that on the podcast next week. But as we always like to do at this point during the season, uh normally myself and Dan would pick the sides. I, I tend to pick the forwards. Dan tends to pick the uh pick the backs, being a, a silky number 10 himself. But uh, in the absence of, uh, of a co-host this week, I'm going to be having a look and and selecting um, selecting my side or my squad rather for who uh, who I would like to see in that in that side that Wayne Pivak is going to be naming. Um I suppose first up, it's you know it's worth having a look. How many how many players do we think he's going to name? I, I don't. Know, my gut says it's going to be around the 38 mark. Gatland tended to go for 37, 39 during his um, his time in charge. So yeah I think we'll um, yeah, I, yeah we'll work on the basis that there's going to be that there's going to be kind of 38 players in there and um, and what that means is I would expect to see three loose-head props, uh, three hookers, and probably you would imagine four tight heads um you know if years gone by or anything to go by just because it's you know it's such a, a troublesome position. So I don't know that, that's what I would kind of expect to see in there. Uh, with that in mind, let's start with the loose heads. Um, one player I think is absolutely nailed on is Wynne Jones. I think he's made that number one shirt his own, if I'm honest. I think his his scrummaging has just been superb and put in a great shift during the World Cup. So for me I think he's uh, I think he's he's nailed on to he's nailed on to start, to be honest, and uh, I'd certainly be having him um, as my first choice, number one. As I said earlier, I, th- I think Reece Carey is going to miss out, and I suppose if I was selecting the squad, you know, if you if you take the if you if you take one extra, you could have, I suppose you could have him in there, but I'm going to work on the basis that he's going to miss out on a, on the the premise that he's got a, a ban coming his way for the uh, for the sending off, and with that in mind, I think it will be. Nicky Smith and Rob Evans, who uh, who make it into the squad, and I'd probably be doing the, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Uh, you know, again, Nicky Smith was probably the, um, you know, was a not outstanding performer, but certainly gave a good account of himself during the World Cup. You know, we know what we're going to get from Nicky Smith. He's fantastic around the park, and we know the emphasis that Wayne Pervak's side is going to place on. The breakdown, you know, Sam Warburton's involvement there kind of tells you everything you need to know. And he himself this week, um, kind of, when talking to the press again, has said how important the breakdown is and how important it's going to be for Wales. You know, there's um, when we're when we're looking at the the scrummage as well. You know, I think his his Warburton's quote was something like. 10, you know, you get you might get 10 or 15 scrummages a game, but there might be a hundred breakdowns. So I think players like like Nikki Smith are going to be are going to be viewed very positively because of what he can do in and around the breakdown. We know his scrummaging work isn't necessarily the strongest part of his game, but he's got plenty of international experience. I'll be going for him there as well. Uh, Rob Evans starting to play his way back into form. Obviously, he was hugely disappointed to miss out on the World Cup squad, but I would expect to see him in that squad. I'm pretty certain that Pivak's a big admirer of his. And as I say, in the in the absence of uh, of Rhys Carey's availability, um, depending on what band he gets, I suppose, I think Roy Webbins will, will nick it. And that's probably what I would do there as well. The three hookers, I think, will be exactly the same as they were during the World Cup. So Ken Owens, very much the starting hooker. You know, we know what he's capable of. Big, explosive ball carries also a senior leader within that team. So I'd very much expect that to be the case. Elliot D, you know, I'm... Um, had another another good start to the season just so reliable comes off that bench and um, you know gives you 25 30 minutes of of great ball carrying and again you know good good breakdown work i i you know i, I i'm fairly certain that he, he wants to make that to get himself into that number 2 shirt but it's a difficult thing to to dislodge Ken Owens, but I think those two will definitely be there. And I think they'll go for Ryan Elias again. And I think I probably would too. Um, you know, obviously I, I could be very biased and go for our good mate Scott Otton, but um, you know, I think it is difficult for anyone in that in that Osprey side to make a, a huge impact given how how bad they've uh, they've been this season. That said, actually, hooker is one of the positions where they have been well. Uh, they have been kind of well represented. Scott's played, uh, you know, I think he's he's played well this season. Sam Parry's had some good games too, and um, and they've got Dewey Lake down there as well, who's a, you know a big prospect for the future. But I think they will go for Ryan Elias. I think he is that kind of natural third choice uh, hooker within the squad. Tight head, massive blow here that uh, that Thomas Francis isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be available for them. You know. Again, we've said how important it is uh, around the park, but scrummaging. You know, if you've got a, a scrummager as solid as as Tom Francis, that is a huge asset to the um, a huge asset to your side. So that is a, a you know an undoubtedly an undoubtedly a massive blow for um, for Wales not having him in there. Obviously featured heavily during uh, during Rugby um, World Cup. Now, I think in terms of who might who might replace him in there. I could see Will Griff John uh, of Sale getting um, uh, getting getting the nod there, and I think that'd be a really interesting one. Um, obviously, he's um, yeah, with a, with a name like Will Griff, you'd, you'd expect him to be a Welsh qualified. I think he's born in Plymouth, um, but uh, yeah, played uh, played down at Pontypridd and Cardiff, and um, and has played uh, age grade rugby for for Wales. Not seen a huge amount of him myself, but. You know, he's he's an absolute unit. He's a uh, twenty and a half stone and uh he's a good scrummager and good around them all. So I think in the in the absence of um in the absence of Tom Francis, I think he'll he'll get the nod there. And I think that's uh, that's the, the decision I'd be going for as well. Um so yeah, I I, I think Wilgriff John will get the nod there as a, a kind of a like for like replacement for Tom Francis. And with a view to the future as well, you know, having a a solid scrimmager in there is gonna be um going to be a big bonus. Leon Brown, I think, is another player who's going to be in there. He's um, had an excellent season so far. We know, you know, he's a great ball carrier. He's very dynamic. Good at ruck time. Um, whether that's, you know, whether that's looking to win you a bonus turnover or just smashing into rucks, a really good. You know, really strong prospect. The question mark has always been over his scrummaging, and uh, you know, although he's perhaps not, you know. The finished well. He's not the finished article from an international perspective in terms of his scrummaging. I think he's definitely made good inroads there. Um, Olivier Azam I think, has been in doing some coaching work with um, uh, with the Dragons alongside uh, alongside Kerry Jones, and I think he's he's definitely making inroads there. And you know, lest we forget, it's a um, very few props mature around the, the early 20s mark. You know, it, it takes a long time to develop your, your scrummaging. So I think Leon's a, a player with a really bright future, so I'd expect to see him in that squad and I'd be, I'd be picking him as well. Dylan Lewis kind of falls into that same bracket. Know he's impressed. Uh, he's impressed the selectors uh, a lot in the past when Gatlin was in charge. I very much expect him to be part of Pivac's plans as well. And again, like Nicky Smith, it's about what he can do over the ball. I think he's you know he's an excellent um, exponent of the breakdown. So I'd expect to see him in there as well. Um, obviously, yeah, rewarded this week with a with a new contract at Cardiff Blues too. So. You know, it's good to see he's he's going to be staying in Wales. And then I just wonder in the years gone by, you know, we've seen a fourth tight head prop in there. And I just wonder whether Samson Lee might get the nod there. And I think I'd be tempted to do the same just because Brown and Lewis are um, both props who, who bring their, bring impact to the game around the park. And if you say Will John is more of a scrummaging prop, so I'd be going for him there. But I think having some experience in that squad would um, would definitely help. So I'd be picking Samson Lee in there as well as a fourth tight head. Into the second row, obviously Alan Jones picks himself. There's nothing really more that that needs to be said about him. You know, it's he's such a such a phenomenal player. And um, what I didn't mention the first half of the show, you know, his first game back for the Ospreys since the World Cup, putting a. a an absolutely massive shift. Not just the, the donkey work, but again showing some, some great silky stuff with his hands as well. And um, you know, he, he just is absolutely you know a totemic figure for uh, for Wales. So of course he'll be in there. Corey Hill, uh great to see him getting a you know getting a run of games back for the Dragons. He's done a fair bit of six for for the Dragons, kind of f- filling in. We mentioned on a few pods back you know i think we had a, a listener's question come in and said does is his future a six i very much see his future particularly at international level at uh, being at lock and i would expect to see him in that squad and i would certainly be naming him there jake ball continues to be playing well had a fantastic world cup and uh, yeah i would expect to see him um i'd expect to see him in the squad and i'd be doing the same thing uh adam beard you know i think he's he stuttered a bit for form this this season but he's you know he's a, still a, a very bright prospect and and has clocked up a, a fair number of caps already so I would have him in that in that side and you know they they went to the World Cup with with only you know a handful of locks but you've got that luxury of being able to take you know being able to take one extra specialist lock and and looking back at last year's squad they had Seb Davis in there as well I don't think Seb set the world alight this season certainly wouldn't be writing him off but um uh but yeah i i wouldn't expect to necessarily see him in that squad at the moment and just wonder whether they might look at a, an extra back row option there instead um so yeah i i would probably be going for um for four locks at the moment might change it might change that yeah might change that uh, that decision but um yeah, I, I think in terms of who you can expect to be in and around the the starting fifteen and the match day twenty three, I think it will you know will be obviously Alan wynne Jones starting, and then uh, it's between Corey Hill and, and Jake Ball for me as to who partners him in the second row. Personally, you know, obviously maybe a slight bias being a Dragons fan, but I don't know. I, I think Corey Hill's such a such an underrated player at international level. I'd be going for him, but likewise Ball put in such a big ball carrying shift during the World Cup. He's you know he's He's going to be hard to dislodge from that shirt having a look at the back row um and this is where there's some absolutely fantastic options here for wales and i suppose none more so than than seeing toby fallatai fit again and um yeah i think you know if you if you to have a look at at, um, at the back row options last year they took uh six back six out and out back rowers with Seb Davis being able to kind of fill in there. Um, Josh Turnbull was also in the squad last year and he was able to fill in the second row as well. Uh, but I would I would think that it will be seven this time round, and I think I'd be going for seven. So rather than taking a, a fifth lock, I'd be looking at taking Aaron Shingler, who can do a job there for you. So I'd take Shingler as, um, as a blind side. Uh, I'd take Aaron Wainwright as a blind blindside uh, flanker. Uh, the specialist sevens Justin Tipperick and, uh, and Josh Navidi although of course he can play six and eight as well um, so you know he's he's definitely in that side now he's now he's back fit again and then at eight as I said earlier you've got Toby Fallot and you've got Ross Moriarty there as you as your you kind of I guess you cover at eight um, and then I think there's there's room for one more and you know, so I guess kind of a, a bit of a wild card back row figure. And for me, I'd be going for Tane Basham. Uh, I just think he's just been absolutely explosive this season for the Dragons. He's amazing over the ball. I, I, at international level, it's it's interesting to see where his where his best position will be. I think his best position is at seven, and I think that probably would be the same at international level. But if I was Wayne Pivak, I'd want him in that squad, have a good look at him, get him part of that training setup, even if you're releasing him to go and play for the Dragons for, for some of those fixtures. that Clash, I, I think it's um I, I think it'd be it's good in the start of a World Cup cycle to get him into the mix and um and look to get him into yeah, look to get him into the those training squads and and really kind of have a look and, and see what he's capable of doing at the highest level. So that would be the that would be the pack I'd be going for. Uh into the backs. So three scrum halves uh, is is what I'd be taking here. Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams I think uh, are the two uh, the two best scrum halves in Wales right now. Uh, Gareth Davis I think it's his shirt at the moment. We mentioned this with Steph on the pod last week. I think it is he is the the one in possession. I think probably will get the nod there in the, in the big games just because of what he's able to offer defensively. Uh, and Thomas Williams is just you know uh, for me I, I absolutely love watching him play because he is. I think he's the complete nine. He's a fantastic threat around the fringe. He's got good service. I think his box-kicking game is is decent too, although I, I take no joy in watching box kicks. It is an important part of the international game. So those two, I think, are absolutely nailed on. And then it's a question of, do you go for Alan Davis uh, uh, or do you go for Reese Webb? And I think, really, with Reese Webb being granted this, uh, this exemption to be able to be picked, I would expect him to be picked there for... Um, for Wales, and I'd be doing the same. And it's a little harsh on Ali Davis because, again, he, you know, he's, he's putting some decent shifts this season. He's he doesn't let anyone down. I think he's a very reliable player. Again, talking about the box kick, he's out of the at the the Welsh the Welsh nines probably the best exponent of it. But Rhys Webb does bring in that X factor, and I know he's he's not been in uh, in blistering form and, and hasn't played of late for too long. But if you grant this 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 exemption. He's not going to be playing for too long again. We know that. The new owner has uh, has come out, uh, Lemetro has come out and said he's not going to pull on the shirt again. So we know he's coming back to the Ospreys. While you've got the opportunity to get him in the Welsh camp for six, seven, well, seven or eight weeks, let's do that. We've got some of the best strength and conditioning coaches and the best fitness setups in Wales. Let's get Webby back to full fitness, but make him earn that earn that shirt you know if he's uh, I'm sure you know whenever you hear him speak he's hugely hungry to to play for Wales again and he's a real fans favourite but he's got to come back and earn it and um, whether that's through you know whether that's through uh, earning it through training then then great you know or getting the opportunity uh, by coming off the bench then then so be it but get him in the squad and uh, and see what he's see what he's he's capable of doing see what his current form is at the moment that's how I'd be playing it. Onto outside half. Now, last year Gatland um, went for uh, I think he had four outside halves in there with uh, with kind of Reece Patchell and, and Gareth Anscombe able to to offer some cover at fullback. Now this time around, you haven't got that option because both Patchell and Anscombe were injured. So I think you're going to need to select a few more specialist players in the back three. And there's no shortage of uh, of kind of uh, fantastic players who um, uh, who. Were, are available for selection in the back three. So with that in mind, I think it will be three outside halves. In the World Cup, they only took two, but I think it will be I think it'll be three this time around, and I'd be doing the same. So Dan Big is nailed on. He's going to start 10 for Wales, uh, certainly in all the big games, and I imagine against Italy as well. Um, you know, he's, he's just a class act, proven proven international, if not world-class competitor um, at his absolute best. And he's been playing fantastically well for Northampton. So bigger comes then uh straight away into the into the outside half slot. Then it's a question of uh if do you take Jared Evans? Uh I would personally I you know I think he's he's a bright, really bright prospect. We know there's you know there's kind of errors in his game. He's he's far from being flawless. But you know, I'd get him in that side. Get him. I think he's the kind of player that Pivak likes as well. He's a real running ten, um, and he, you know, he is able to break games open. Get him in that side. Get you know, get him uh, coached by uh, by Stephen Jones and the other coaches, and and look to look to bring that game on. Um, you know, I can't see him dislodging Dan Bigger anytime soon, or not during this tournament. But if we're looking ahead to four years' time, then I think he's a, he's a really outstanding prospect, and and hopefully someone who's going to who's going to mature into a really fantastic ten. The place for third 10, I, I think I'd be going for Sam Davis here. And again, it, you know, it'll, it'll damage the Dragons to have him away Um Away from the squad, but in terms of form, I think he is the he is the the natural choice. As we said in the first half, the Ospreys are, are really struggling at outside half, um, and you know there's a lot of injuries. Uh, there's a lot of injuries around. The only other option is you know do you look at um, do you look at something a bit left field and and maybe have a look at the uh, the young lad at Bristol, Joan Lloyd. But I, for me, I, I think it's Sam Davis there on merit. And um, uh, you know he's a, he's a real confidence player, and having that confidence back, I think, has, has helped him out massively. So they'd be the three I'd be going for. Uh, now, centre. This is without doubt the the biggest um, the biggest troublesome spot. Historically, Wales. I know we've got different coaches now, but historically, Wales have kind of gone for four centres in the uh, in the Six Nations. No, uh, no, John Fox because he's because uh, he's injured. Um, and uh, you know Owen Watkins picked up a knock. Scott Williams is, is struggling for fitness. Uh, Willis Halaholo is uh, is unavailable. Um, you know, having been named in the the autumn international against the Barbarians. So, look, Hadley Parks, uh, you know, will be in that side. hugely experienced. Not been playing his best rugby, but he's you know. Uh, he's a real dependable player i think when it matters and in the absence of of any real experience i think he's the player who um you know without doubt will be will be playing so he'll be he'll be in there as a, your option at 12 i think owen watkin will be in the squad if um even though he's not necessarily going to be available for the uh, for the opening round of fixtures so i'd have him in there as well um i'm hoping scott williams you know he's going to be able to prove his fitness and i'd have him in there as my um um, potentially as a as a starting thirteen as well. I know he's he's not at the, he's not had the best twelve months, and obviously missing out on the World Cup is a massive would have been a massive blow for him. But he showed signs, particularly against the Dragons, of, of what he's capable of. Played a lot of rugby at twelve uh, in the last in the last few seasons and you know certainly at club level but at international level he very often would come off the bench at 13 and has started there on occasions too and because it's such a troublesome position I think you need a specialist there I know we've had a couple of questions in about that this week and um uh yeah, you know, so we had a question in from Tom Harrison. Is Josh Adams, you know, would that really be the best option for him? Personally, I don't think it is. I think you need a, a specialist 13 there, or certainly a specialist center. So I would have Scott Williams in that squad. Um and I'd put Tyler Morgan in the squad too. Um again, providing he's providing he's fully fit, get him in there. He's a you know, he's a 13. He's I think he is an international class player, certainly rated very highly by the By the previous regime, so I'd have him in that as the as the uh, I guess as the fourth centre. Now into the outside backs, the uh, the back three, Um, and again there are certain players here I think you know will will pick themselves. Uh, Josh Adams is is you know one of the most informed wingers in the world, and as you mentioned I don't think um, I don't think that it would be a. uh, I don't think it'd be a good move to move him to thirteen. He may well have the skill set to be able to do it, but I just think we'd be depriving ourselves of one of the best, um, you know, one of the best wingers we've got. And so, play him in his, uh, you know, play him in his best, in his best position. So, I would, I would certainly be going for, for him as an option. George North will be in that squad, and I think you know rightly so too. Um, you know, it's I think it's a bit frustrating. I think George perhaps gets judged a little bit harshly at times, just because. Uh, you know we kind of expect that form of, of 2013. I thought he gave a decent account of himself in the center but for me you know I think you know wing is still his his best position uh, so yeah he'll be he'll be in my squad uh, Liam Williams of course you know personally the best you know the best full back uh, the best fullback option we've got I think that said I wouldn't be surprised to see Lee halfpenny play at fullback and and Liam on the wing but nonetheless Liam Williams will be in there and likewise as we mentioned there halfpenny had a bad game. Against uh, yeah, had a bad game against Toulon, but generally speaking, one of the most reliable performers. So those four players will uh, will definitely be in there for me. Um, and then, you know, who else? Who else gets the nod? Johnny McNichol, I think, I think deserves it on form. You know, kind of out and out ball player. For me, he's he's a winger at international level. I know he's played a lot of rugby at fifteen for the Scarlets. Personally, I don't think his kicking game. Is good enough to play fifteen at international level, or it's not at the moment. And but on the wing, I think he can have an absolutely huge impact. And yeah, so he would definitely be in that squad for me. And alongside him, Louis Rizamet. I've you know I've only seen a handful of uh, appearances here. Uh, I'm not going to claim to have seen him a number of times, like Dan Killick would, although you would only have seen the highlights reels. But he's a you know he's an outstanding talent from what I have seen. We saw a few years back when Josh Adams was tearing it up and scoring tries in the in the Guinness Premiership, uh, Guinness Premiership in the uh, whatever it's called now, the Gallagher Premiership. Um, It's you know it's a hard place to it's a hard place to score tries. It's a really competitive league, and if you're able to do that like Josh Adams did, there there tends to be something about you. So we know he's got out and out gas. Get him in the squad, see what he's capable of, and um, even if he doesn't play, it's it's great to have him in that lineup. Rumors of Eddie Jones sniffing around him personally i don't think uh, I don't think Reece has any intention of playing for anyone other than Wales but while he's in this kind of form get him in that squad get him used to being part of the uh, part of the setup establish that relationship with him and you know if he impresses in training and and they feel confident in him then and you know maybe it's even the Italy game get him out there win that first cap and um, uh, and, and really see what he's capable of at international level um so for me that that leaves one more. Slot in the in the back, uh, in the back three, and uh, it's this is this is an interesting one, you know, because I think probably the front runner for it is Hallam Amos. Now, I don't think I'd be going for Hallam Amos. as much as I'm a big admirer of his of his skills. I think I'd be looking at Owen Lane here. Lane's been in, re- you know, been really good form for, uh, for Cardiff Blues. And again, if you're going to look at converting anyone into a centre, I think it should be the guy who's played a fair amount at, um, at centre in, you know, age grade rugby. So I'd be getting Owen Lane into that um, into that squad, which means the likes of Steph Evans, Ashton Hewitt, and, and Hallam Amos miss out. I mean, to be honest, you could chuck Hallam Amos in that squad as well. Um, to be honest, but personally, I think if if I had to make a call on that, I'd be going for. I'm in lane over Amos. but anyway that's that 's the squad i 'd be going for um, and from that, I think it gives you some really good options there 's some areas where you know we 've got lots of uh, lots of strength in depth like we say lots of amazingly exciting back three options, some areas where we 're really struggling uh, in terms of um, in terms of the uh, the particularly the outside center role but center in general and uh yeah you know back row looks looks strong number eight, we said has been a troublesome position, but then it just doesn't look it when you when you've got toby fit if Toby's fit and you've got ross moriarty there to to be able to come in, then it looks like um you know you've got much a much bigger strength in depth there when you you chuck into the mix that you've got players like um you got players like Josh Navidi who could fill in at eight, and uh, Oli Griffiths who I I haven't even named in uh, in my squad, but he's another player who can uh, who can play at eight as well. Um, so yeah, you know it's a, it's a really interesting squad. It'd be fascinating to see what Pivak does with his, and we'll have all the reaction to that on next week's pod, which as we say will be coming to you from uh, the Majewski Stadium, which we thought was going to be the uh, the scene of um, of yeah kind of Scarlet's being able to secure a, an easy route through to the. Uh, to the quarterfinals, and not going to play that play out that way, but they may well be able to, to make it through uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of securing one of those runners up spots. So, me and Dan are going to go down there and we're going to uh, record the pod for- from there next week. If you've got any suggestions or any uh, any questions, anything you'd like us to discuss on next week's pod, then please let us know at Attacking Scrum on Twitter. You can join our Facebook page or our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram, which is Welsh Rugby Attacking Scrum, and we will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.